Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, how many of you want to open wide the gates and let the King of Glory, let the King of Glory come in? There was ever a year we needed it. This is the year. This is the time. Let the sleeper awake. Let the Spirit of God come. You know, I used to think 2020 was going to be the coolest year. Really, I mean, it it was kind of like a 1984 novel. Like when we get 20, if I live to 2020... That year's got to be cool because it's like perfect vision. I mean, all this stuff. I am so ready for 2020 to end. Let's get out of this year. Let's get back to normal. And I know the hope of that is the King of glory coming in. He is our hope. And I want to say he has been my hope. And I want to thank every one of you for the prayers that you have offered up for us, for me, And the online community especially, listen, I can't tell you how many times Rachel and I sat and watched, and we felt like we were just as much apart, even though we weren't in this room. And so I hope you feel that, and I pray that you experience that. And I do have to admit, I enjoyed drinking coffee, eating a muffin right in the middle of the service. (laughs) That was nice, and it was so much fun. And, and thank you guys, whether you're at home or whatever environment you're in or in this room. You guys have, I mean, I'm here because of the prayers of its people. And I thank you. And I learned something through this. And I know you're thinking, okay, he's going to share a vision he had. I was out eight hours. I mean, the surgery was eight hours long. And while I was under, uh, Jesus appeared to me and took me to heaven And he showed me the map of the ages and when he's going to return. And so I won't be telling you I'm going to write a book and you got to buy the book to get that. (laughs) Just kidding. I did not see Jesus. (laughs) But I felt him. He was with me. But I learned something about going through a valley. And the story in the Bible became so dear to me, so real to me. And it's a story about a valley, literally. It's and something that happens in this valley that, as far as we know, it never happened again in the history of God's people. One of the coolest things. And you can turn there if you'd like, or I'm just going to narrate it and kind of tell you the story. And there's three things that jump out at me and really have become, for me, a kind of an anchor through this journey that I've been on. And, and so if you want to turn, it's in Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's actually verse 1 through 30, and, and I want you to make a note of that because maybe you can read it later. Monday after Mother's Day, I felt great. I mean, I felt great on Mother's Day. I stood right here. None of you were here. Nobody showed up that day uh, because we couldn't. And I stood right here, and I preached the message, and it was a great Mother's Day. Monday morning, I got up, and it was, uh, it was cool that morning. And so I thought, man, I'll... I'll get a longer ride in today. And so I get on my bike and, and, and I take off. And I'm about two miles in the ride. And I'm going up this hill and I begin to feel weak. And I thought, now that's unusual. I'm, 
you know, I, I don't know what's going on. And I looked, and at the top of the hill, there was a driveway, and I thought, I'll just pull over when I get to the driveway because I wasn't about to quit before I beat that hill. I wanted to get to the top of it, you know. And I didn't make it to the drive. I, I've never passed out, so I didn't know what to expect. I thought you had warning. I mean, I thought everybody describes it like everything starts to close in. Nothing closed in. Everything went out. I mean, it was, I was out. And so when it happened, I had my helmet on. Don't ever ride a bike without your helmet. Everybody hear me? Boys and girls, <laughs> I'm just trying to protect you. I don't even think I'd be here if I hadn't had a helmet on. So I hit the ground on the left. I fell to the left. And I mean, I'm dead weight. I, I, I'm not awake at all. And when I hit the ground, I woke up. And it was like a dream. It was like, am I dreaming? And I hate to tell you this, but the, the I, well, it's not a bad thing. I just, the first thought I had was, we have meals and masks at the church today at noon. I've got to get there. So if I've got to go to the doctor, I got to hurry up and get, I mean, it was just, my mind was going 100 miles an hour. When I got up, people had gotten to me. And when I got up and, you know, I was trying to, they said, are you okay? And I'm kind of moving. And I felt ribs moving. And I knew then, oh my goodness. Um, I said, I, I, yeah, I'm all right. I mean, my knee and this was a little cut up, but my head, the helmet was intact. And um, I said, yeah, I'm okay. And I called Rachel. Rachel came, picked me up in the truck and we threw the bike in the back of the truck. And she takes me home, and I, I walk, I get the bike out of the truck, <laughs> stupid, <laughs> and roll it in, into the garage. And, and then I sat down on the couch because I thought, I'm just going to sit down for a minute and kind of shake it off, and then I'll get ready to go to church. When I sat down, I felt those ribs moving again. And the pain, I've never felt anything like it, five of them broken. And I said, Rachel, I... I think you better take me to the emergency room. And so here we go. I get the emergency room and, and I go in and I, I tell them I had a bike accident. I, was, I passed out, I think, and I just kind of made light of the passing out. I said, my ribs are killing me and I, if you could just help me with these ribs. And it was like they didn't even pay attention to my ribs. All they wanted to know is, why did you pass out? I said, I don't know. I've never passed out. I just went out. And so they started this incredible barrage of tests. And I will never forget, the doctor walked in. I mean, I had people coming by and saying, Pastor, we're praying for you. And some of them I knew, some of them I didn't. They were wonderful. And the doctor comes in and he says, uh, David, um, you have a heart issue. And so we, your heart, we've got to take care of it. And we're going to get you downtown to trauma. And we're going to get you in an ambulance. And you're going to go fast. Because you've got to get there. And I'm thinking, they're making more out of this than what's there. Come on, I just passed out. And they loaded me up in that ambulance. And the guys were so nice. They said, um, Pastor, you're, uh, you're going to, we're going to be going down I-4 fast. And lights are going, sirens going, but it's real fast. And I'm like, yes, I've always wanted to go down I-4 fast. And I finally get to do it. But I'm in the back of an ambulance. That's not right. 
So sure enough, man, we're going, sirens going, and they get me to trauma, and it just seemed like a blur, but I'm sure it lasted a while as they were doing stuff. And this young lady walks in, and man, she's like, like an angel. And you're going to meet her one day. She promised she'd come and let me introduce her to you. She's a heart surgeon, new in town. Came out of Dartmouth, came out of Johns Hopkins, double board certified, brilliant. She said, uh, you, have a, you have a valve. The aortic valve is not working properly. And she said, my suspicion is it is bicuspid, meaning it has two flaps. And you're supposed to have three flaps a tricuspid valve. She said, uh, it's like the Mercedes symbol, you know, where there's three parts. Uh, I didn't have that. I wasn't Mercedes. I was a Volkswagen or something, <laughs> Nissan. I don't know, whatever it was, but I wasn't a Mercedes. And she said, um, I, I suspect that's what it is. And they developed stenosis because of the, just the two. And and then as a result, your aorta is enlarged because the valve hadn't been working right. And so she said, I'll replace uh, a part of your aorta with a material called Dacron. And then she said, I'm going to put a valve in, and I'm really thinking I'll use tissue. Uh, and it'll be most likely from a cow. And it'll be from the lining of the heart of a cow. We'll, the valve will be made from the lining. I said, you don't use pig valves. I'm from Arkansas. I was hoping for a pig. And... Uh, <laughs> And she said, no, actually we do, but I just think it'll be better uh, for you to have this one. And so not only am I not a Mercedes, I have a cow in me. So I'm, I have a lifelong contract with Chick-fil-A. I can hold a sign, <laughs> eat more chicken. I'm saving the cows. I need them. And so she said, I'll be doing this. It's a long surgery, and it's a, it's a pretty involved. So do you have any questions? She stayed an hour and a half with us. And I'm telling you, we were both in tears. There was a moment where I said, I have to believe God placed you in my life. And like I said, you're going to get to meet her one day. And so here we go. And I went through something I never dreamed. Up until that morning, I was fine. Never had a surgery other than knee work, but anybody that's ever played sports, you're going to have a knee worked on. I mean, I've never had any problem. And then everything changed. And I can tell you in that moment, I felt like the year 2020. How do I do this? this I, what do you do? And that's why I wanted to share with you what I learned as I went through this valley. And it's the kind of stuff, it's not unusual. So many in this room have had far worse things that you've faced and you've gone through. But some of you are looking, you don't have a job. Some of you are like, I don't know what we're going to do next month. Or, or maybe you do and, and you've got relationships that aren't working. Or you've got a fear. Maybe you have a health issue. But guys, 2020 has created a fear in all of us. And there's this story in the Old Testament where they were up against the impossible Okay, so the, the story goes like this. Jehoshaphat was the king. Jehoshaphat was the king of, of God's people located in Jerusalem. He gets a message one day. There's a great horde, they said, three armies marching toward Jerusalem. 
And they were coming to destroy Judah to kill, obviously, the king and the people. And Jehoshaphat, in this incredible moment in that chapter, prays and he looks up and he says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And I want to tell you the first lesson you've got to learn about the valley and about the year 2020 and about anything you go through. Lesson number one. When you don't know what to do, say it with me. Look at him. Look at him. What do I mean? Think about who he is. And what, what Jehoshaphat does in that moment, he, he begins to rehearse everything that he knows about God, what God has done. Remember what God has done. I went through that in the hospital. I mean, I remember laying there thinking about the day I showed up here. I mean, the first time I walked in this place. I thought about the day he saved me. I thought about the day he called me. I rehearsed how good God had been to me. I didn't go, I didn't have one of these moments of, God, why me? I really didn't. My moment was, God, why not me? Because you've been good to me. I remembered. And so let me give you hope for the future. You know what our hope in the future is? We have hope in the future because he has been faithful in the past. Amen? He has been faithful in the past. If God's been faithful, let just praise him. He's never failed me. And so I lay there and I rehearsed those things. The second lesson, and you got to get this. When the struggle is bigger than you, look to him. When the struggle is bigger than you, look to him. So what do do I mean by that? There is a verse in this text where a prophet was given a word from the Lord to give to the king, Jehoshaphat. And the prophet told him, King, this is not your battle. The Lord will fight for you. You don't have to just stand firm and believe and see the deliverance of God. So can I tell you? Look to him means he's fighting for you. He's your hope. He's my hope. There are three places in the Bible where that phrase is used. The Lord is fighting for us. The battle is not ours. This is one of them. Another one was back at the Exodus when Moses was leading the people of of, of, uh, Israel out of Egypt. And they got to the Red Sea. And there's the Red Sea. And behind them was the Egyptian army. And he didn't know what to do. And he looks up. And the Lord tells him in Exodus 14, Moses, hold your peace. I will fight for you. And another place, and this one actually surprised, I had forgotten it, was when a little shepherd boy named David was standing in front of Goliath. And he was about to defeat Goliath, and he's looking at Goliath, and he says to Goliath, hey, my God doesn't fight with swords, and he doesn't fight with all that stuff that you got. And today, this battle is the Lord's, and he's going to deliver you to me. So in other words, David's confidence was, the Lord is fighting for me. Can I just tell you, when you're up against something bigger, something that you would call a giant in your life, remember two things. God is bigger. I don't care what it is you face. God is bigger, and guess what? He's fighting for you. He's already in the battle. 
You know, we, we think that when we ask him, you know, God, I need you to help. I need you to show up. and We think he just shows up. He's already been there. You know how long I've had that heart valve issue? All my life. Did it surprise God? No, no. God knew all along. He was ready. I remember what Paul said. We're hidden in Christ. Colossians chapter 3. You know, I taught you how when you're afraid and you're walking into something, take your hand, the palm of your hand, lay your thumb down in it and wrap around your thumb. The thumb is you. Your hand is God. And I can't tell you how many times in the hospital I would just do this. I was afraid a nurse thought I was going to hit her. I, I, I just, I would just wrap that right there, you know, just as a reminder, just to remind myself I'm in his hands. Jesus said that. Jesus said that we're in the Father's hand and no one can pluck us from his hand out of John chapter 10. Nobody can get us. In fact, let me show you something's cool. Everybody take your thumb, lay it in your palm. You're watching whatever at home or, or whatever environment, do that, just just wrap your thumb up. Now, watch this. Before anything can get to your thumb, it's got to go by what? Your fingers. Who are the fingers? God is. Before anything comes into your life, it's got to go by God. If I could use the quote of a dear friend, he used to sit right up there on, on the A ramp. He was a pastor here, one of, one of the most incredible people. His name was Randall James. He's with Jesus today. He used to say, our life is father-filtered. You know what that means? Everything that comes in our life had to go by our father first. So I'm laying there thinking about that. And I realize, man, he's been with me every step of the way. He knew about this. And he's fighting for me. And the third lesson. Is when you're in the struggle, look for him. Okay, so notice, when you don't know what to do, look at him. Remember who he is. When the struggle is bigger than you, look, say it, to him, because he's got it. When you are in the struggle, look, say it, for him. What does that mean? God reveals things in the struggle that he doesn't reveal any other place. There are things that happen in that moment. When they were in that valley, I mean, Jehoshaphat's leading this, <laughs> this group of people, and I'll tell you who they were in just a minute. He's leading this group of people out to face three armies. God delivers them. God routes the enemy. Then tells the king and the people, go pick up all the spoil. The spoil simply treasure laying on the ground, gold, silver, stuff that these armies had. It took them three days to gather all the treasure. Did they ever expect that was going to happen? Nope. But every valley you go through, there's treasure somewhere. Every struggle we face, there's treasure. There's something to learn. And I'm convinced that there are blessings that only come through struggles and valleys of our life. It's the only time you're going to see that and learn that. And so let me, let me tell you what I think they are. I think they're the lessons you learn. And I'll tell you what, how God revealed himself in the two lessons that 
I learned from this story and what I've been through. Number one, testimony. You don't realize what God does with your testimony when you go through a trial. People are watching you. And when they see faith in you, when they see this strength in you, they're like, how are you doing that? There are people in this room this morning, I've actually said, God, I don't know how they're doing that. I don't want to call anybody, point anybody out. There's a, there's a young lady in this room that has battled a mysterious illness that causes her to have inability to walk from time to time. And she's been everywhere. Most beautiful, joyful, every time I'm around her, just this sweet presence of Jesus. How does she do that? Some of you face cancer. Some of you have lost a mate. I mean, it's just stories. How, your testimony, you don't realize the power of it. Did you know after he delivered them, the scripture says the enemies around, the nations around were in fear of God because of what happened that day in the valley. I just think I'm like a lot of people. Everybody wants a testimony. Oh, yeah, I want, I want a testimony. I want everybody to, to talk about my faith. Here's the problem. We all want a testimony. We just don't want the test. And let me tell you, it's in the test that you get the testimony. It's in walking through that valley and God working, and they see it, and they know our God is real. The second thing, and you can't miss this lesson from this story, the power of praise. Oh, my goodness. I, w- I can't overstate what happens in this. The power of praise. All right, so here we got a king. He's about to go into battle. He's been told, the Lord's got you. And then he is told, you need to put the singers up front. You do not need to go into this battle with swords, with spears, with weapons. You put the choir How would you like to have been at that choir rehearsal practice when Roberto drops on you? Oh, by the way, we're going into battle, and uh, the warriors aren't showing up, but you're going to sing your way through it. That never, we don't, I don't know of another story in the Bible like this or another place in the Bible where this happened. So guess what happened? He put the singers, and they started singing a simple song, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. That's the only words we know of that they were singing. And the Bible says when they began to sing, look at this, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were, what's the word? Routed. They didn't win in overtime. They were routed. And all they did was sing and praise. Now explain that to me. The only explanation I have is when we lift our praise to him, something happens. God honors our praise now, I, I'm going to tell you this, what's crazy about this story is when you read the text, they actually, the Judah, and the, the people of Judah didn't have to touch them. They didn't, they didn't do anything. They just stood there and sang, and the people of those three, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, turned on each other, and they killed each other. 
Now you tell me, how is the only way that happens? If it's not Almighty God delivering his people. And that's exactly what happened when they began to sing those praises. Now I don't think it's singing that killed them. Okay, because I mean, some say, well, I don't sing. That's okay. Now, I know some that do when they sing, people die. It's a whole other kind of thing. <laughs> that would be my singing. But what I think happened was when they began to praise God. And to praise Him, you can use a song, but you don't have to. It is just simply to lift Him high and to honor who He is. And let's just imagine for a moment they're in that valley and they're looking at these three armies. Do you think they felt like life was good that day? No. I'm lying there in that hospital bed and, and I'm about to go into surgery. You think I was like, oh gosh, my life is just awesome. No. Let me show you something about praise. The reason we praise Him it's not because our life is good, but say it with me, because he is good. If you believe God is good, give him praise today. He's good all the time. And so they just start singing. They're looking at death, and they just start singing. I remember Rachel came in, you know, COVID, you can't be there in the hospital with people like normal. And she could be there during the day and early evening on the day of the surgery. It was real early in the morning. She comes in. And man, I had to shower three times. I mean, it was just a crazy thing. I had to go through and get ready for this surgery when they, when they were getting ready to come take me. Rachel's standing there, and, and you know what we did? She got her phone out. She, she began to play some of the songs we sing here. Had a little playlist that, of songs, and we just began to worship. Now, did I feel like singing? Did I feel like everything's great? Nope. Was I afraid? Absolutely. Scared, spitless. But when I began to sing, when she began to sing, we're standing there in the dark. I mean, it's literally the room is dark, and we're just waiting any moment. They're going to walk through that door to get me. I felt as if Jesus just walked in the room. When you call his name, listen, something happens. You're sitting at home. You're sitting in a hotel room, wherever it is you're, you're listening to this. When you call his name, something happens. When they began to praise him, God delivered them. God routed the enemy because he honors the praise. He inhabits the praises of his people. And it's like praise shifts our focus. When we praise him, our focus shifts. It, it goes from us to the Lord, from problems to the solution, from pain to promise, from hurt to hope. And so we're able simply to praise him in the middle of the valley and God works. Now, I can tell you, there were probably some in the valley that didn't feel like singing and they didn't sing until they saw God show up. Are there times that we just can't sing? Absolutely, that's when you need each other. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard. A woman that I met that would come in and sit in the back row and the singing and the praises of God's people brought healing to her. She'd been sexually assaulted and attacked. 
And I said, well, do you ever sing? She said, no. She said, I never open my mouth. I just stand there and let it wash over me as people around me are singing. You know why stories of hope are so important and getting connected in a group is because sometimes it's somebody else's faith that has a way of affecting you. Somebody else's song has a way of blessing you. We need each other. And when we sing, when we praise him, something always happens. And you know what they did that day? When God delivered them, they changed the name of the valley. Now, we don't know for sure what the name of the valley was before, but on that day, it got a new name. They called it Barakah. And the scripture says from that day until today, it's called Barakah, which means praise the Lord, or it means blessings to God. Isn't that awesome? Now, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that's where God blessed me. It means that's where I blessed God. So think about this statement, a valley that should have been their destruction. It was going to be the valley where Judah was destroyed by three armies. But it became the valley where Judah praised the Lord. I got a crazy idea. What if we just named the year 2020 Barakah? Let's just call this year Barakah. This is the year. No, everything didn't go right. But this is the year we learned to praise the Lord and lift our voice. So I'm in the hospital and I'm just thinking of all scriptures and stuff and, and a story came to my mind and it was a story Dr. Charles Stanley the pastor of First Baptist Atlanta told, told at a pastor's conference he said he went to that church and there was a lot of them didn't want him there and it was real tough they were trying to get rid of him and one day a woman called him a, a lady that was a widow and she said Dr. Stanley the Lord impressed upon me to have you come to my house well, Dr. Stanley didn't make house calls, but for some reason he felt he needed to go. And he goes to her house, and she takes him and walks over to a picture and says, okay, Dr. Stanley, what do you see in this picture? And it was that picture of Daniel in the lion's den. And I've seen him. There's all kinds of pictures. You can see him on, on the Internet. It's, it's Daniel, and he's kneeling and praying, and he's looking out the window, and there's this ray of, of light coming in. And then all around him are these lions. She said, Dr. Stanley, what do you see? He said, well, I see Daniel praying. I see lines. And he said a few other things. And she goes, you still don't see it, do you? He described a few more of the details of the picture. And she said, you still don't see it. He finally said, I, I, no, I guess I don't. She said, Dr. Stanley, where is Daniel looking? Is he looking at the lions? Or is he looking at the God of the heavens and earth? And Dr. Stanley said, well, he's, he's looking at the God of heaven and earth. And she said, well, stop looking at the lions. Can I just tell you today? Yeah, 2020 has been crazy. Stop looking at the lions. And let's lift our eyes. Let's look at him. Let's look to him, and let's look for him, because God's doing something this year that we can't imagine. So here's what we're going to do. 
wherever you are at home, whatever environment you're in, I'm going to ask you to do this, okay? So we're all seated in here, and I'm sure you're probably sitting down. When this song starts, and the song is only just to help you, you don't have to sing, but I want you to do something. If you're facing something that's putting fear in you, if you're facing something that's really challenging, I want you to just simply declare, you know what, I'm going to quit looking at it, and I'm going to put my eyes, I'm going to place my eyes on Jesus. And so what you do is you just stand up. And, and, and so as the song is going, whether you're at home, whether you're in this room, we're, you're just going to stand up saying, I'm looking at him. And can I just tell you, I want to be the first to stand. Let me tell you why. I didn't tell you everything about that first visit to the emergency room. When they came back in and said, you have a heart problem, they also said, you have a brain tumor. And we're not sure which one needs to be taken care of first. Well, obviously, they chose the heart. But last week, my neurosurgeon told me, you need to have the brain tumor taken out. And so I'll be going through a brain surgery. It is a meningioma, which is a benign growth. And um, he thinks I've probably had it for, are you ready for this? 30 years. So I had a heart valve from the day I was born that would cause problem. And I had a crazy growth in my head for 30 years. So you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to stand, and I'm going to look at the one who knew both of those, who knew all about it. And I'll let you know, I'll let you know when the surgery is, but guess what? I'm not looking at the surgery. I'm looking at him. So if you would stand to say, I'm looking at him, I want us to worship him, and let's fix our eyes on him, who is our salvation today. Amen? Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.